Cyber augmentation has emerged as a term encompassing a range of digital activities. In the military domain, it sparked a new division at the National Defense Industrial Association. For what it's all about, I spoke with retired Air Force Major General Dave Senti and retired Air Force Lieutenant General Robert Elder, the vice chair and chair of the Cyber Augmented Operations Division. The first voice you hear is Elder's. Well, Cyber Augmented Operations, we tell people, is just about anything but uh, cybersecurity. If you think about the businesses that are making money using cyberspace, they're not primarily in the cybersecurity realms. Cybersecurity is, is important, don't get me wrong. But when you look at Amazon, Google, companies like that, they are using cyber augmentation to advance their products and their services and to provide value to their clients and their customers that did not exist before we had the ability to use these cyber operations. And and cyber operations for us basically is anything where we're using electronics that are networked together uh, uh, using uh, electromagnetic energy to exchange uh, information. And what are some of the defense domain use cases or topics, uh, Dave, that that would be coming under this rubric of of, uh, cyber augmented operations? Well, a big one is uh, artificial intelligence which is under, underpinned by machine learning. So as we advance in a smarter world, connected world, um, those fundamental technologies, and they're not simple, not trivial, they're not buzzwords. Machine learning takes perfect data and uh, intense tagging of information and then building the algorithms for artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence then is a subset of cyber-augmented operations. That's exactly right. So when, when we in, – in broad categories, I mean I think artificial intelligence right now is probably a, a primary area. And in fact, uh, the president just gave a, a statement about artificial intelligence and making sure that we don't fall behind, the fact that we maintain a lead in artificial intelligence. But the general areas that, that we look at are uh, using cyberspace for human augmentation and replacement uh, to improve human machine teaming. Uh, for general electromagnetic spectrum operations, and that's anything that involves basically radios, radar, uh, uh, navigation systems, avionics to make those work better. And then it, it actually is another thing that's used for business innovation. In fact, when you think of a uh, Google or you think of an Amazon, that's using uh, cyber operations uh, and augmentation to a regular business practice to do things you couldn't do before. Well, I mean, if you look at this in terms of the grand history of computing, the first time there was an electronic computer that did some addition or some balance sheet work for for financial operations, you had, in a sense, cyber augmented operations. So what is new in the 21st century? What distinguishes it from just computing? It is digital. It is in the digital domain. I think that's important. Just to tag on what what Bob was saying about the the range and the spectrum of this uh, division – we do include the electromagnetic spectrum, that's electronic warfare, hyphen, cyber, very powerful capabilities when you consider RF and cyber delivery. Well, describe that in more detail because right now there are radios and there are ways of communicating through space domain and terrestrial radio and so on, many different types, satellite. What, what, how does it change under the definition of cyber augmented operations? Well, a really good example – that is becoming very popular today are the use of what are called software-defined radios. These software-defined radios can use any type of a waveform. They don't care whether you're using frequency modulation or an amplitude modulation. Uh, and, and in addition to that, they can jump between different uh, spectrum levels or different bands. 
And that that allows you to have, for example, a very small radio, almost the size of a cell phone, and have it working at multiple different frequencies, able to talk with uh, uh, different people, including coalition members, or being a very uh, clandestine uh, conversations at the same time. So would that allow, say, the sender to maybe hop among media and yet still be received at the other end for purposes of avoiding detection by the adversary? Yes, you might call that agile spectrum, which is another term of art, very important in terms of our country's ability to advance in spectrum activity. And, and the other the other thing that's allowed with that is you can use uh, low power levels so that it, it looks like there's just noise. It's called uh, communicating below the noise level. As a matter of fact, a global position system does that. It, it basically puts out a signal that below the noise floor – but now uh, we have, we, we call it low probability of interceptor, low probability of detection radios. And so you can be communicating with someone else and to someone who's just trying to detect that signal, all they, they can see is noise. I'm wondering if the adversaries are trying to figure out how to get lower and lower levels of detection just as we are, get Absolutely. into the leapfrog situation. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the constant, uh, you know, the offense and the defense uh, continually working and, of course, we know that our competitors are working to do the same thing, and so one of the things that we have to work to do is make sure that if, if they are using uh, covert communications, uh, that we have a way to at least detect those communications are taking place. We're speaking with retired Air Force Major General Dave Senti and retired Air Force Lieutenant General Robert Elder. They are vice chairman and chairman, respectively, of the Cyber Augmented Operations Division of the National Defense Industrial Association. And I want to get back to some of these use cases. But before we do, tell us a little bit about your own backgrounds, because you both have a cyber component to your Air Force careers. And uh, Major General Senti, why don't we start with you? We'll we'll work up the ranks here. Sure. I worked uh, primarily in Air Force intelligence. That includes all the the fundamentals of human, human intelligence, signals intelligence, technical intelligence, tech int from uh, RF spectrum. uh, And gradually that became merged with the definition of cyber through um, General Hayden, General Minahan, other people who saw the future of how we're going to work in information warfare, information operations, and the digital piece of that combat operations, supporting and supported, and moved into uh, what I call the cyber general activities in the Air Force and was uh, dragooned to be the commander of Air Force Network Operations around 2007 uh, to help backfill an active duty gap and uh, moved from there to being chief of staff of Cyber Command. And in that activity, you could see how you were moving from a purely defensive posture in the way you're operating in the domain to addressing the combat command's needs to be able to have multi-domain operations with cyber-augmented activity. And General Elder? Yeah, so I'm uh, an electrical engineering, uh, electrical engineer by training and uh, bachelor's in electrical engineering, uh, my master's in biomedical engineering, and then my my specialty for my doctorate, which in, in engineering was, was actually human factors engineering. So the, this idea of working with a human assistant goes a long way back. I spent most of my career uh, working in the uh, as a flyer, but uh, because of my background, I also did software development for uh, for the F-15 and, uh, and some other systems. And then uh, later on, uh, 
when I took command of 8th Air Force, it was considered the information operations numbered Air Force at that time. And we were directed to stand up uh, network operations, which Dave ultimately became the commander of that. Uh, but we also subsequently were asked to stand up uh, Air Force Cyber Ops. And then after that, that's where we began working on a uh, what was going to be a, a cyber uh, MAGCOM, Major Command. Uh, we, we did the Air Force Cyber Ops for a long time, and our approach to that was actually very similar to what you see us talking about with the Cyber Augmented Operations which was that we actually integrated the cyber in with our with our air operations. So, for example, we, we did have a network operations division uh, that, that was responsible for taking care of the network security and the computer security, but the, we actually had uh, computer specialists, network specialists, engineers, intel people embedded all through a normal air operations center to try to find ways that we could integrate the things that you do with cyberspace with what we do in the legacy domains. And I guess people might, from the outside, looking at this externally, might confuse cyber operations with cyber security operations. And I understand those are two very different things. But when you have cyber operations, cyber augmentation, let's say, affecting every type of Air Force activity and really every type of military activity, because I think the Navy, the Army have similar types of setups, in some ways, how do you separate it from the operational commands themselves? Because everything they do is becoming cyber augmented. Well, it does have to be done securely. So cyber augmented operations are finesse, high technology, and have to be done securely. That's different than cybersecurity, which is how you're defending your own capabilities, networks, and communications. Well, what I'm asking is just to make an analogy, and not a very good analogy, but everything the Air Force does ultimately has to do with things that fly. And so if everything that it does has a cyber component to it, a cyber augmented component, how do you separate out a command out of that when it's so inculcated in everything they do? Shouldn't it belong to the different operating, say, the different air forces? I think one way to think about this, an analogy that I use with people is air travel. We need a better one here. Yeah, so the if you if you fly a lot like I do, you're accustomed to working with the uh, the TSA uh, people and the, the TSA there are, they don't fly the airplanes, they don't take care of the runways, they're not responsible for uh, taking advantage of air travel to promote a leisure or travel industry, but they're critically important because they provide the security to make sure that we don't have any kind of a hazard getting onto the plane from from a passenger. They also protect the airplanes itself because they protect the ramps. Then you have another group of people, that, the mechanics and everything else, that are working to make sure that the systems are operating. That piece is critically important, and that's what's done in in the cybersecurity. And it's a big deal. I don't want to underplay it. But what we do think is important is to recognize that there's much more to cyberspace operations than just securing cyberspace. And the opportunities for the nation and for business people, for that matter, uh, to, to really expand the benefits of cyberspace come from understanding the potential that it has to do these various different types of functions, whether it's assisting someone, helping with teaming, or doing things that a human can't possibly do. And do the cyber commands also deal with the both the operational side, that is cyber augmented warfare operations, however, whatever form those might take, take, and also in the back end of all of this, in the training and so forth, where there's also cyber augmentation? Well, in the case of the Air Force, we have cybersecurity at 24th Air Force and network operations and the cyber augmented operations, if you will, with 25th Air Force. So they're 
um, joined at the hip. They're in the same location at Lackland Air Force Base. But we do have skill sets that match those particular commands or those Air Forces. We're speaking with retired Air Force Major General Dave Senti and retired Air Force Lieutenant General Robert Elder. They are vice chairman and chairman, respectively, of the Cyber Augmented Operations Division of the National Defense Industrial Association. And let's get back to some of the use cases for cyber augmented operations. I'm interested in the human machine teaming because systems, airplanes, by the same token, tanks and submarines for the other armed services are getting more and more complex, more capable, more networked. So is this where the human-machine teaming augmentation would come in? What is that and how does it work? Well, this becomes a huge area. One of the the ones that really gets people's attention is the use of augmented reality. Uh, you've seen it in movies, but augmented reality, you're wearing a set of glasses, and through those glasses now you, you actually have things projected in, in as a three-dimensional objects, but they're they're only there in, in virtual space. But you're able to now associate – uh, items in virtual space, pure information, if you will, with physical objects at the same time, it, it allows you to do something that's very difficult for your brain to do. So this augmented reality is is very important in terms of being able to accomplish tasks. Like as an example, uh, I could be working on inspecting a wall or inspecting a submarine, and with a set of augmented reality glasses, I could be looking at the outside of a wall but because the augmented reality glass knows what's behind it, it could project to me what's behind that wall or what's uh, what's behind the, the submarine skin to help me find where I, I would need to go make an entry, for example. So it, 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 it's significant from that regard. Uh, it's also very useful for, for cybersecurity purposes because one of the tricks is to be able to match up what's happening in, in the virtual space with what's happening in the real space. And it, people who are very good at it uh, get paid a lot of money, quite frankly, but but you can make their job easier and you can make it easier to do a 24-hour operation if you can hand it from one person to the next if you have a way to visualize it. So the augmented reality is is one of the huge ones. And I'll just give you one other quick one that t- ties to that, which is the use of virtual reality for training, which is you can put these virtual reality glasses uh, along with sound and in some cases motion and and you can make it so real for uh, for a person that you're trying to train that they actually feel like they're 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 doing a real task, and they can do this in a network manner. So you could have hundreds, thousands of people. In fact, that's how the game industry works. And in this domain of augmented reality and human machine learning, I guess there must be a integrative component because you could overload someone with information and then make the decisions they have to make in split seconds even more difficult. Is that part of the integration process? Yes, the, the learning curve, of course. Also, I wanted to mention that with, within our division and our workshops or conferences, we often have a classified day. And then a day like that, you might talk about counter augmented reality or counter artificial intelligence and the things we need to be sure are true to what we're seeing or how have they been manipulated or has there been deception in your data or the system you're using. And what about the ability to project deception to the other guys? Augmented reality. That would be another topic for a classified day. Yeah, but this is something that's being explored, I suppose. It's a significant concern. The more that we put dependence on these cyber systems to enable us to conduct our operations, uh, the, the more we have to be careful about the ability of a competitor to give you false or deceptive information. Yeah, because you could waste a lot of fuel and f- ordinance on something that's a ghost but yet appeared in someone's goggles. 
Yeah, just although, to put it bluntly. So one of the things with the with the artificial intelligence, one of the things to use artificial intelligence for, is to help determine when you actually have bad information coming in because it, it may look visually correct to a person, but a machine would say this this is not the way it would really come in. It must be being artificially generated. That, that's an example of how you can turn artificial intelligence back on its head to actually help pr- provide additional protection. And hearing all of this discussion, I'm seeing millions and millions and millions of lines of code virtually in my head. What are the industrial capabilities and what do you need to be able to program these things in any way that they are reliable systems and that they can be used as systems of record in deployments? Well, fortunately, at one of our previous conferences, Lieutenant uh, General Jack Shanahan talked about a major project he has in machine learning and the guts of what it takes to really do that correctly. And I think that was elucidating, enlightening to see how diligent you have to be in building your data sets and learning the system, and it's arduous. I would imagine this is a really good case for the agile approach to building these types of systems, build a little bit, test it, get some feedback from the people who have to live and we hope not die by it, and then go back and start again. And the best of the private sector. What is what is the cutting edge that, that they're doing that we can incorporate into these domains? And, and that is the process innovation. And, and in fact, the, uh, the, the Air Force has a, has a new effort where they're trying to implement commercial practices uh, to do just that, where they, they do a certain amount of code. Uh, they, they test it out. They look to see, in some cases, it fails, and they say, no problem, we, we only spent a week on it, so the fact that it, it failed is not a problem, we'll go back. They call that Kessel's Run. They got it from the name from a, from a movie. We're speaking with retired Air Force Lieutenant General Robert Elder and retired Air Force Major General Dave Senti. They are chair and vice chair of the Cyber Augmented Operations Division of the National Defense Industrial Association. And all of this then, I guess, adds up to a military and Air Force that is more lethal, more projectable, more effective, and yet with not the large numbers and sizes of, of quantities that right. we associate with it earlier does, generations. It does enhance lethality, but not kinetic, not necessarily kinetic. There is a physical piece, of course, to the end game, but it's uh, using digital capability. And, and recognizing that we, we talk about different levels of warfare, a tactical, which is very kinetic, uh, an operational level, which is basically where you're trying to integrate different types of warfare together, you know, land, air, sea, space, now cyber, and then the strategic level. At these higher levels, the information becomes really critical. It's how you coordinate, how you get your synchronizations, how you do your deconfliction. And so these cyber systems and their ability to communicate over large distances globally and in to conduct our operations is completely changing the way that we conduct uh, warfare and, and even any type of military operation, even for humanitarian purposes. Now, we have mentioned that you are with a new division of the National Defense Industrial Association, the NDIA. Tell us about that division. What are some of the activities it's doing and how is it fostering cyber augmentation and the development of systems that we can rely on? Well, if I could insert something about our next symposium, because frequently uh, we generate uh, a conference that uh, brings these things together. The next is called operational uh, Operationalizing the Technical Advantage. It's a Cyber Augmented Operations Symposium we'll have at the AT&T Hotel Conference Center 26, 27 March 
in Austin, Texas. Awesome Austin. Yeah, we picked Austin uh, because that's where the Army is putting its Futures Command. That is also where the Air Force has what they one of their innovation hubs. It's called uh, AFWorks. It's AFWorks Austin is located there, and so we're we're actually looking to get some of our big innovators in the country to come together and talk to us about how we can use cyber augmented operations to help help us do our military mission better. Yeah, a lot of workses are popping up for the different <laughs> branches all over the place. But which gets to a bigger question, and that is with the different branches, the different armed services, each pursuing their own version of cyber augmentation, how do you keep this interoperable and purple and multi-domain in real operations or potential operations? Well, interestingly enough, I mean, that that is – one of the things that these different, as you refer to them, works, there's actually an umbrella organization they call Defense Works, by the way, and that's one of the big things that they're attempting to do is make sure that work that's done in one area, say with one service, uh, can be applied somewhere else, but it also is working to try to establish standards that will allow us to be able to take advantage of tools or services that, that are developed in one place and use it in another. Part of this really gets to be this whole idea of a of, of having – uh, a framework that we can use. We're not looking for the hard standards we had before, but we are looking for frameworks that allow uh, different messaging, different information to uh, work with one another. And I just want to ask about the industrial side of this, of the National Defense Industrial Association. There are the corporations that you we ultimately buy a lot of this from, a lot of this capability and, and software code. Is this fostering a different industrial base or, or a or a expanded industrial base for this very specialized type of software and systems associated with it that may not have been those that were dominant in yesteryear. Yes, it definitely is probably the growing area of, uh, of industry, uh, the data science, decision systems, all of those things that are there are on the, on the cusp today and uh, the investment coming from Silicon Valley, Austin, Texas, those places is geared toward this. Uh, when we have a symposium or such, often the panels are led by industry and the component members are from industry. So it's a lot of sharing of what they're doing and how it applies to this problem. And I imagine that especially with the Air Force adding coders in blue uniforms, which is something they divested themselves of a number of years ago, now coders are coming back into uniform military service, this – sounds exciting. It sounds challenging to someone in software. I imagine it's a pretty good recruiting and retention item. Well, it is a big area that they're trying to recruit. In fact, one of the reasons, again, that the AppWorks is in Austin is it's uh, it's basically leveraging the Air Education Training Command, which is in San Antonio, not that far away. And that's one of the things they're trying to do. But they're trying to not make this a purely military operation here. This is a this is a government industry partnership. It has nothing to do with NDIA, by the way. The the fact is, for a number of things, it's useful to have domain expertise, and you want to have people that are familiar with coding. Then you get people who are really really good at coding with these domain experts who who know about coding, and now they start doing these spiral developments, and they are doing some incredible things today. All right. So I guess the next step is see you all in Austin. We look forward to seeing you. Retired Air Force Lieutenant General Robert Elder and retired Air Force Major General Dave Senti are the chairman and vice chair of the Cyber Augmented Operations Division of the National Defense Industrial Association. Its first technical symposium takes place next month in Austin, Texas.
We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.